Hello, Texans. Happy weekend. It's the show that gets you inside NRG Stadium. Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris keeping you company. A lot to discuss tonight. Always a lot to discuss regarding your Texans and the NFL at large. And what a great time to be a sports fan with the NCAA tournament going on and the Astros starting up and the Rockets heating up and the Texans always hot. Always something going on in the world of professional football. Johnny, here we go into a weekend where free agency it's not behind us it's never quite behind us the first waves are though and the draft is coming up before you know it yeah it's going to be here what are we today the 29th less than a month yeah less than a month well, four weeks from tonight we'll be doing the second and third round yes and we How do know that? the texans will pick then you know what my fear is they trade back and the draft party is this gigantic not let well, down necessarily but let's be honest you want to walk away with a pick if you're a fan coming to the draft party right but that might be that might be a prudent thing to do. That's never happened to trade way. back and trade out. I, I do think I think it's a possibility of trading back. For we sure. actually wondered. Remember when they drafted Watson? We wondered that night if they would trade out of the first round yeah. and acquire extra picks because they had never moved up in the first right. round. And well, other than Fuller, but that's like a one spot. That was one deal. spot. I don't really I don't count that yeah. too much because that's just that, that was one a spot. weird deal. What happened there? Was Washington telling Rick Smith? Hey, uh, we'll take Fuller, but we want Dotson. But we'll take Fuller even though we want Dotson. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I didn't, that one's kind of odd because I don't think the Redskins ever had any idea of. Somebody's on the phone. They want Fuller really bad. What are you willing to give me to just grab him right now? Yeah, I don't. It worked out because Josh Dotson has not done a whole heck of a lot for Washington. Some would say that Will hasn't done much for the Texans, but when he's been on the field, he's been ultra productive. And it's been good to see Will, you know, walk around a building here because he's been doing all his rehab here. So, I just getting him on the field, but I, I don't count that move up because that that was the spot. I mean, technically yes, but when you're talking about moving up, 2017 obviously was that year because you had to go get the quarterback. So you had to get the quarterback. And the it was move a ups, surprise. The move ups lately in the draft mm-hmm. have been for quarterbacks. I think almost all of them except for one, which was last year. The Saints wanted Marcus Davenport, so they gave up the 2019 number one to Green Bay. To How did he do so last year? He had a couple of months. He was, hurt. he was hurt a lot of the year. Hmm. It was interesting talking to Anthony Weaver, who coached him at the Senior Bowl. Texans, oh, yeah. Texans had him at the Senior Bowl, and I remember being down because, obviously, with the Texans coaching, we had access down on the field. And I stood next to him, and I just looked up, and I went, dang, he was 6'7". He was all six seven too. He was huge. He had moments. He's going to be a good pass rusher, I think, if he can stay healthy. He didn't stay healthy this past year, but when he was on the field, he was pretty good. I don't know if he was worth giving up a, a future first for. Yeah. But that's. But look, if you're gonna if you're gonna give up if you're gonna give up picks to move up, you're going to get a quarterback, mm-hmm. a pass rusher, or a left tackle. Four and a half sacks for Davenport, one forced fumble last year. Yeah. And 13 games played, zero starts. Yeah, he, he was not banged up. I guess. Yeah, I think he'll be, he'll be the, he'll be a starter this year. It's tough going to be forward. a rookie of any position. Uh, Pass rusher, you rarely get guys who come in and, you know, like 14 sacks their rookie year. I mean, what, who's going to do that? Javon Curse. The freak. The freak. He did it. I, Mark, I remember in, in 1996, I went down. He was a true freshman at the University of Florida, and I had heard rumors about this guy that was coming from, I think it was North Fort Myers, and just 
he was they just said this guy is six four. He's two at the time he was like two thirty, and they're like he plays safety. And I was like, oh my god, okay, I got to see this guy. So when I get to the University of Florida, he's not playing safety; he's playing kind of a hybrid safety outside linebacker. Right. And then Stoops got a hold of him, and Stoops is like, no, 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 put your hand in the dirt. You're going to rush the quarterback. And then it was like that's when he became the freak. But I remember when he first got there, he was a safety at the University of Florida. And Stoops just said, keep adding on weight, big man. You're going to be a rush. And he was. And he was just incredible. But he's one of the rare guys to do it. 14 and a half sacks his rookie year. He was so good. 11 and a half his second year. His third year, 10. And then he gets hurt in 2002. Mm-hmm. And he's back in 2003. He never hits the level nope. as a pass rusher again that he had in those first three years, but he was a freakazoid. Yeah, I mean, coming right out of Florida, that first year he was on. I mean, that was the year the Titans went to the Super Bowl. Yep. And he was a, one of the main reasons why in 1999 the Jaguars couldn't block him. The Jaguars lost him three times. The Jaguars were 14-2. Uh, and two, Yep. And then went 1-1 one one in the playoffs because they got a bye. They lost all three games to the Tennessee Titans. That's incredible. All three. All three they lost. But Javon Curse is the one guy I, you would trade up for Javon Curse. I thought it was a stretch last year. I remember saying that. that I thought it was a stretch that they were going up to get Marcus Davenport. But Saints, yeah. he's going to turn into a pretty good ball player. But now you have to pay the price, and that is there you you don't draft. I don't think the Saints draft until sometime late in round two. Right. So you got some holes to fill on that roster. Now you don't have a first, and you're going to – Kind of go through what the Texans did because Texans didn't have a first or a second, didn't pick until I think 68. And the Saints aren't picking, I think, until 62 or something like that. So uh, they'll be interested to see what they do. But the trade up situation, I could see the Texans doing it if there is a. If there's a tackle that they really like to trading do it, up. Yeah. I would be okay with that. And I really wouldn't even be opposed to, to trading up if there's a corner. I don't know if the corners this year of the value. Like, if you're going to trade up Greedy. to me at corner, go get a Jalen Ramsey. I don't. There isn't a Jalen Ramsey, but I could see the Texans moving up four or five spots to the Greedy Williams is still on the board. That's going to cost you I, though. I got asked this question today by our good friend Sean Pendergast. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, "Let me get it here." We kind of traded some texts. He said, uh, "He said if Greedy and Baker are both on the board." Who fits better for what the Texans want? I see Greedy dropping in some of the some of these mocks. And so I said to him this. I This is the way that I compared the two. I said Greedy is a faster slash thinner A.J. Boye. Mm. And I said DeAndre Baker is a step slower Kareem Jackson. And what I what I mean by that is AJ Boye. When you think about AJ, AJ could cover. AJ was long, rangy. I mean, he was he was a tough cover, and I think he's proven that over the years. Even though he's undrafted, you saw how he could run. You saw how he could match right. and mirror guys. He had all those cover skills. I mean, AJ would come up and tackle you, but that wasn't AJ's thing. AJ was going to cover. That AJ was a cover guy. That's greedy. Greedy's a cover guy. Greedy's faster than AJ, but he's a little thinner than AJ was. DeAndre Baker is the spitting image of Kareem Jackson. It's just that when Kareem was coming out of Alabama, Kareem was in the 4-4 range. Uh, DeAndre Baker is in the 4-5-2 range. Or, well, 4-5-2, I guess that's exact. That's not a range. So I think Baker does all the things that Kareem did. He's a really good tackler. He's competitive out on the, out on the uh, perimeter. But near the end for Kareem, he just wasn't a great cover corner. 
to a yeah, point where he was playing safety last year. Right. So DeAndre Baker sort of strikes me that way. And then I thought about this, and this was kind of what sealed it for me, Mark. And I think the Texans kind of went through this when they were trying to figure out their way early in the NFL. Like, who did the Texans have to beat? They had to beat the Indianapolis Colts. What did you have to do to beat the Indianapolis Colts? You had to get pressure on Peyton Manning. Hence, Mario Williams. Yeah. D'Amico Ryans. Right. What do the Texans have to do now to take the next step? Cover T.Y. Hilton. Thank you. And which of these guys covers T.Y. Hilton? More than likely, it's going to be Greedy Williams. That's the guy. So that's the way I would look at it. And I don't mean to go down this road, but I really think it's it sounds simplistic, but the most important thing, and I think it's incredibly hard to identify, is when you're looking at all these athletes, mm-hmm. who's going to get better? Who's going to get better? Not who can get better. Who is going to get better? How how do I quantify that? How do I figure out how to figure that out? Yeah. And how do I tab that guy and say, that's my pick? Because let's face it, that's what this is all about. A.J. Boye, undrafted, becomes a high-dollar con- high contract yep. guy as a free agent because he got better. He put the work in. Right. He stayed healthy enough to improve. That's what you're looking for. J.J. Watt comes into the pros, and he's not J.J. Watt of a year later. He right. got better. Right. Who's going to get better? Show me that. I don't even know how to tell that part of it. You can tell who runs fast now. And, it, you know, and sometimes that translates automatically, but very rarely will it hold up over time you have to identify who the pros are. Just like when Carl Smith was in here a few weeks ago and he said, "Yeah, you have to be able to live in the jungle. As a quarterback, as a point guard in the NBA. I thought he put that perfectly. Yeah, live in the I jungle. I thought he put that perfectly. Survive. If you think about, well, this hasn't always been the case. But if you think about some of the, the greats in the league, and you think about some of the greats that continue to get better, they've faced some significant adversity in their in their life or their career mm-hmm. at some point. And he, who's who's the greatest player? Who's the greatest player of all time in the NFL? Jim Brown, Lawrence Taylor. Well, no, I wasn't going there. I was going to say Tom Brady, but Tom oh, Brady. I thought we were we were going six other round. positions. No, uh, Tom Brady. I refuse to acknowledge that. Okay, well, that's but okay. he is. Uh, but he did six, face some adversity six as round, a player. Six round draft pick. Yeah. Who just got Chip. signed by the Oakland Raiders? Antonio Brown. Why do you think the way he is the way he is? He was a six-round pick out of CMU, out of Central Michigan. Well, how about Watt himself as a former tight end at Thank Central you. Michigan? There's hey, the Chippewas are making news tonight. What what drives the greats? What drives them? Can you – and I, I see this with, with J.J. Can, and I think this is the same way with Brady. Can you consistently find a chip on your shoulder that you feel like you have to overcome every single day? And yeah. for a guy like Tom Brady – now, J.J. ended up being the 11th pick in the draft, so at some point people were like, okay, this guy's going to be a really good football player, but he's even gone beyond that. With Tom Brady, it was always, I'm a six-round pick. I will always be a six-round pick. I have that chip on my shoulder every single time. Now they're telling me I'm too old. Now they're telling me I'm too old. I'm going to get beyond that. And so I think it doesn't always work that way. Look, sometimes the the truly gifted that are gifted at all points and are told that they're great, there are some that pan out. Think about A.J. Boye, undrafted. Nobody thought he could do anything. In 2016, the Texans offered him a long-term contract to stay, and he was like, nope, I'm going to prove to you all that I am a top-notch cover corner. Watch me. Right. And you remember watching out in OTAs and minicamps that Hopkins. year. He's going against Hopkins, and it's like, are y'all seeing this? 
Yeah. Boye is out of his mind. That was a one year right deal at that, that point. That was amazing. Yep. He had one a, year left he, on it. He had become a one. But didn't they sign him to a one year I think one year deal, deal yeah. Because yeah, he didn't want the long term deal. Right. So he bet on himself. And right. He, it worked out for him. And, Arian and, Foster. Guys that face adversity, mm-hmm. it's not automatic. But at times when you see these guys that face the adversity, you know, okay, this guy has gone through it. Right. Those are the guys that if they've gone through to the other side, you got a pretty good feeling that, hey, you know, Tyron Matthew, I think, was a great example of all the adversity he faced at LSU. He went through all that. He gets to Arizona, and now he, you know, turns into one of the better safeties in the league and has had a really good career in the NFL. So I think that's a big thing. But look, it's predictive analysis, and that is not that is not easy when you're trying to take all this information about these players and then look the player in the eye and go, "Can you get better?" Right. Are you going to get better? Well, let me ask you this. It's a big question. This this is a big question for you right now, and this might require us thinking about this during the break because we talk about what's the biggest position of need on this team in the eyes of so many, tackle. Yep. Right? Tackle. So when you go into the draft, and for years I've been doing research with this team because they've needed a quarterback for years. They finally got one in Watson, but they've needed a quarterback post-match shot for a long time, and I've been doing the research on – Super Bowl quarterbacks, and, you know, Brady kind of skews the numbers. He does a lot. So does Russell Wilson in recent years. But you have a lot of guys who are really good Super Bowl quarterbacks who are not first-round draft choices. Yep. Uh, But but by and large, you see so many great quarterbacks who are first-round draft choices. Okay, what about the position of tackle or offensive line in general? Why is it that we're able to see so many great offensive linemen in the league who were not first-round draft choices? And I want to get your answer to that. And we'll talk about gut reaction to some things. We'll talk about the uniform colors because that came up at the morning show when I visited with them. And, boy, I don't even know if we'll have time, but I'd like to get to your 53-man roster that you did with Drew. Oh, yeah. We need, yes. A lot of things to get to here on Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Happy weekend. If you're working this weekend, we feel you. We work a lot of weekends ourselves, and uh, we just want to keep you company, okay? And if uh, you're listening to this on podcast or or not, you can listen to Texans Podcasts wherever fine podcasts are available or on HoustonTexans.com, the Texans app. Go check it all out there. Now, I asked Johnny a question before the break about finding offensive linemen in the draft. So often you find good offensive linemen, and they materialize throughout their career, year one, two, three, whatever it takes and they're not first-round draft choices. Why is this, John? Why you know we see quarterbacks, and you feel like I gotta take a quarterback in the first round. And a lot of people feel like they gotta take tackles early in the first round. Yep. But you see so many good players at tackle or along the offensive line who aren't first-round draft choices. Why is it that these guys get better and put the work in? Or do I don't want to answer the question for you, but why do you think this is? Well, I think I think you you hit on it. There there's so many things that go into being a a great position player of, of, of any and, and especially of any a player of any kind mm-hmm. when I start thinking if you ask me you know, who are the great tackles in this league and I, I first think of Joe Thomas like okay he, he was the third pick in the draft Tyron Smith with the Dallas Cowboys he was the uh, 10th pick in the draft ninth pick in the draft first rounder uh, Dwayne Brown was what 26 25 26 somewhere around first rounder uh, Trent Williams was a first rounder. A lot of the great left tackles have come in the first round. Now, there's no guarantee that those guys will turn out. Look, Dwayne struggled his first two, almost even three seasons that he he was here, and he started kind of in a third year. The lights started going on for him. I think a lot of it, Mark, comes down to coaching. It comes down to will you accept the coaching? Are you the right fit? 
are you the right type of For example, you, as a tackle, you went to, I don't know, you went to Colorado. Let's use that as an example. You went to Colorado and when you play, let's use Washington State because that's a, that's a very valid example with Andre Dillard. You went out to Washington State and you never ran the football, right? You never ran the football. Andre Dillard gets drafted by the Tennessee Titans because the Titans have a need because they don't know about Jack Conklin, so they draft Andre Dillard. And Mike Keith did talk to Andre Dillard when we were at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, and I was like, Mike, you can't have all the good tackles, man. Come on. <laughs> and the Titans draft Andre Dillard, and the Titans want to run the football. They want to get 21 personal. They want to run the football, and Andre Dillard doesn't fit that. So sometimes the fit isn't there. But one of the best tackles that we've seen over the last 10 to 12 years is Jason Peters, who was undrafted as a tight end out of Arkansas. As a tight end. And they converted him to tackle. He's taken in a lot of great coaching. He's been a heck of a leader for that that organization. And his skill set fit what the Eagles wanted to do. So I think it's fit. I think it's coaching. I think obviously it's inherent desire by that player to be able to get there. I think sometimes there are players that are taking, hey, you've played right tackle your whole career in college. You're going to go put you on the left. And you, you talk to the guys. I mean, we talked to, to Juliano, talked to Kendall about this. It's like do everything with your right hand for a long time and then all of a sudden do something with your left hand. He said that's what it's akin to when you move from right tackle to left tackle. It seems simple, but some guys get stuck in this. Some guys can't do it. You know, Eric Winston at the University of Miami was a left tackle. Took him here. And made him a right tackle. And he had to go through that adjustment, but he was able to do it because he was athletic enough. He put the time in. He put the effort. He was smart. He studied the game. And that's another part of this, Mark. Right. How much are you willing to put in the film work to study and understand what you have to do every single week? You're going to go face Justin Houston. What does he do? How can you counter what he's going to do? Um, and that was one of the things always about, about Dwayne you know, facing – Dwight Freeney, you know, going and watching what Freeney does and studying his moves and doing those things. And Dwayne got to a point where he's one of the better tackles in the NFL. He's one of the best, if not the best tackle that this organization's ever had. But he studied the game. And there are going to be some that are just like, no, 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 I just roll my helmet out there, man. I'm ready to go. But I think fit, coaching, um, I think, and then the inherent desire by that player, does he want to get better? I think, yeah, does he want to get better? Does he have that psychological makeup and enough athletic talent? Right. And maybe it's a different way to evaluate them, and I'm sure all the organizations take this into account. What is the greatest line in the history of this franchise, right? You look at that 2012-2011 line, yeah. and they were great. I mean, 2011 was different because Winston was no longer around in 2012. But Yeah, it was Derek, yeah. Yeah, it was Derek. Derek's a seventh-round draft choice, by right. the way. And that was the most wins ever by the franchise, and the offense was clicking. But even, let's take Winston, a third-round draft choice, like you said, at right tackle. Right. And then you go to right guard, Mike Brazell, who was undrafted, right? Now you go to center, Chris Myers, who was drafted in the sixth round by the Broncos, mm-hmm. but traded here. Right. right. Now you go to left guard, Wade Smith, who was a third-round draft choice by the mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins and bounced around a bit before he got here and eventually went to a Pro Bowl. Right. All but Dwayne Brown are out of the first round, out of the second round. Not even second-round draft choices on the greatest line in the history of this franchise. Look at some of the other good linemen here. Chester Pitts was a second-round draft Mm -hmm. choice. We mentioned Derek Newton as a seventh. Even Ben Jones. You miss Ben Jones and Brandon Brooks, third and fourth round, right? Right. So it it doesn't have to be in the first round. I'm not saying the Texans don't need to draft a tackle in the first round, but I'm saying that clearly that's an inexact science, and you've got to identify these psychological factors to go along with the athletic talent 
that indicates these guys could do the job. Well, we all know. We know those guys, right? Right. I've, I've, not, met, I've not met Mike, um, but I just have heard story after story after story. You'd love him. We know Wade. He's a John Harris kind of guy. I, I, and he's a yeah. Bill O'Brien kind of guy, I too. Feel like we I feel like I would have loved him. Uh, we know Wade. We know Chris. And, and obviously, we know Eric as well. There was a consistent thread amongst those guys. Those dudes were tough. And yeah. if you think about it, like you just mentioned, they'd gone through some adversity. You know, Wade had gone from a couple, you know, had gone from one team to another team. He kind of bounced through, and then he found a home really here. Chris, like you said, was a late round, was a late round guy. Eric had had a bad knee injury in a bowl game that he had come back from, and that was part of the reason why he was a third rounder because mm-hmm. he was coming back from that that knee injury. If he didn't have that knee injury, Eric Winston is a bona fide first rounder, but he had to come back from that injury. But they were all wound. The exact same way, and that's the one other thing I think. If we're talking about the the defense, the offensive line in particular, when I said fit earlier, fit is twofold. Fit is how with what you're going to do. Those guys all fit the zone blocking scheme. I mean, you look. I think you could have put Dwayne and Eric in any system at that point yeah, when they're healthy, yeah. and you kind of could have fit. But how do they fit in the offensive scheme you run? But then also, how do they fit together? Yeah, that group, as great as it was. They fit together so well because if one had an inadequacy, the other one could make up for it, in, in, especially in a zone blocking scheme, how you have to do things together and how you have to move as one you know, synced up unit. They were able to do that. And getting to know them over the years, you understood why because they all had kind of a similar mindset in how they went about about doing things. Now off the field obviously they had their differences and things like that. But they're all they're all pretty similar in the way that they thought about the game and I think that made for a great fit of those five, but also it fit because of what they were running at the time and you know I think about Chris Myers running the zone blocking scheme. I mean, he was the perfect zone center for that. I think Wade was really good in the zone scheme. Uh, you know, the two tackles, man, they, they were tight ends in college. Right. So you knew that they could move, and that was going to fit them. So they fit on the field. They fit on and off the field together, if you catch my drift. So I think that's another thing, especially for offensive linemen. I think other positions, positions maybe not as important to do that, but the offensive line, as they'll tell you, is so important to do that. So I think that's a big factor as well. All right, well, this is all worth watching as they embark on the draft, which four weeks from tonight will be in rounds two and three, live on the air as we'll be bringing it to you here from NRG Stadium. All seven rounds of the NFL Draft. John Harris will be on for 16, 17 hours of coverage. I'm looking forward to it. God you know I love you. it. Yes. You know I love it. It's my, it's my favorite time of year because I my philosophy has been for years, as I shouted into a mic many, many years ago, <laughs> you build through the draft. This is yeah. where you build the team. This Your foundation of the team is found in the draft. It's not found in free agency. It's not found in any other way. Now, this team has been lucky in some sense that undrafted free agents have been a big part of it, yep. as we mentioned, Boyer and Arian Foster, et cetera. But I think every team has to find a few diamonds I think so, too. I, absolutely. Championship teams will. Yeah. But think about the foundation of this team. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Clowney, Watt. Those are all guys that were drafted. Zach Cunningham, BMAC, drafted. DJ Reader, drafted. The – Free agents you bring in, I mean, I, I can really, Mark, only come up with one year where free agents were just a huge part of that team, and that was 2017 in Jacksonville. A.J. Boye, Clay, Campbell, Barry Church. It was, per, I mean, it was the perfect 
sto- it was the perfect storm of what they already had. And was building on Malik Jackson from the year before. Yes. And, uh, well, drafting Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Put on Miles Jack gets drafted that same draft. The, like I said, it was the perfect storm of all of that. Very rarely do you do you have that. But your team, if you're going to win a championship, you're going to build it through the draft. Now I know some will say, "Well, look at the Patriots over the years. You know, they have had free agents. Yeah, they traded for Randy Moss. Right. They did sign Wes Welker when he became a free agent. But if you looked, and and I did this going into the 18 draft, if you looked at the teams that had their draft picks still on the roster, the Patriots had more draft picks on the roster than any team in the NFL to that point. So They, they use free agents or trades to fill a few holes here right. and there. Uh, here we go, comparing everything to the Patriots again. But why wouldn't you? Here's my analogy. It's not really an analogy. It's a similarity. Mm-hmm. People compare work ethics of, of players to J.J. Watt the way they compare organizations to the Patriots. Yes. It's like, why aren't you more like J.J. Watt? Well, it's J.J. Watt. Why aren't you more like the Patriots? Well, it's the Patriots. Yeah. You know uh, what I'm saying? The, yeah, I, I <laughs> it's agree. It's almost unfair. I, I agree, but to that extent, J.J. ends up being someone that players point to and say, I got to do it like it's that. A tr- it's a true north. Right. It's that's 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 your goal. I mean, I think if you can knock off the pit, like if you can get to a point where you can work as hard as JJ, you got a shot. Right. And I think that's the same way teams look at it and say, "Hey, if you can knock off the Patriots, then you got an opportunity to be uh to be pretty good." And and you know, it's interesting thinking about the Patriots. Maybe we'll get into this in a little bit. But they hire Greg Schiano, he then leaves after a couple of months. They lose Gronk. They lose Trey Flowers. They lose Trent Brown, and yet no one's they, doubting them. They'll still be picked to win the AFC, right? Or at least finish second to Kansas they'll, City. There'll be some where they're picked. Anyway. There'll be some joker out there that's like, ah, the Patriots are dead. Let me be well, the first year, to write it. Every year it happens, and every year we look up and see those jokers. In the somebody's going to be right at some point, and maybe this is the year. We can only hope. But I'm not going to pick against them. I think Shiano is the outlier of those things. Well, here's the other way. thing I didn't mention too. They they lost Brian Flores, defensive coordinator. Obviously, Shiano was going to replace. They lost Brian Flores. They lost their defensive line coach, Brendan Daly. They lost Chad O'Shea, who was the wide receivers coach. At some point, I mean, those guys had all been together for a while. Right. At some point, that loss of coaching continuity, It. I, I know Belichick's still there. I know Brady's still there. It's going to have an impact. It's you just how much so. of an impact you would think. Does so. it take them from twelve and four to eleven and five? I mean, you lose you know Patricia. I mean? You lose. By the way, McDaniel's. He must be thinking, eh, I'll just wait till Belichick's done, and by then Brady's done, and then they're a bad team. Just kidding. All right, next up. Actually, I'm not kidding. I'm hoping that's the case. <laughs> yeah, actually. exactly. Next up, gut reaction from me on some things Johnny's going to throw at me and a few comments on there in the lab. Johnny and Drew's yes. in the lab podcast. Oh, I can merge them roster. together. I can, can merge them together. Let's do it. It's Texans All Access. Keeping you company on a Friday evening. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you on Texans Radio as we originate from the Houston Texans Stadium, otherwise known as NRG Stadium the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. So, Johnny, you and Drew did the 53-man roster podcast. We did. We I did. don't know uh, where you want to start here, but you want to do some gut reaction? Let's do Let's do it. Let's do okay. gut reaction. All right. Texans all-time 53-man oh, roster. I'm not going to be happy, am I? Okay, go ahead. No, I think I think you will. Okay. I got a feeling. Some of these you may just feel like, well, okay, but All here right. we go. Quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We put two of them on the roster. Good. 
Deshaun Watson to start, Matt Schaub to back up. Your gut reaction. Good. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything really nope. to go No, really no go complaints at all because I know that when you're doing the all-time 53-man roster, there are going to be some good weapons. There are going to be some good players up front. I think it'll be all very nice for Deshaun Watson to pull the trigger, and Schaub will be a good backup. Yeah, I. It, he's still a backup, which is yeah. interesting. We'll see Matt uh, sometime this year in 2019. Okay. We put five running backs. One was Vontae Leach, a fullback, so we had four running backs. Okay. Okay. So we had Arian Foster. Yep. Pretty obvious. Yes. We had Dominic Williams slash Davis. Pretty obvious. I'm glad you didn't forget about my guy, Dominic no, Davis. No, I mean, he was tremendous for the – even though my my Texans' knowledge from 02 to 07 is a little shaky, uh, he he deserved it. Three years of about 1,000 yards a season. Tremendous. And was a good receiver. Very good. The third one was – Lamar Miller. Okay. Your gut reaction to the fourth running back, 53-man roster. Back. No. Your gut reaction to Ben Tate being the fourth back. Ooh. Now, here were a couple of – just let you think on that. A uh, couple of guidelines. receiving votes. Here, the guidelines, Wells. The, the guidelines <laughs> – when you start to think about it, you're like, wait a second here. The guidelines were no one-year wonders. Like if a guy came in for a year and it was going like – I so, can't go Steve Slayton. Well, you can go Steve because Steve was he was here for a few years, even though the one year yeah. is the one year we remember. Because that was the first reaction I had was like, oh, can I go Slays? You can't go – you couldn't put a guy like Tyron Matthew in there where he's right, just right. like That's one safety, year. Right, but we're yeah. talking running back. So, so you're saying Ben Tate – look, I got to go Steve Slayton ahead of Ben Tate. Okay, go. I'm sorry because I know Ben Tate did some good things, but Slayton for that year led the AFC in yards from scrimmage. I'm going Steve Slayride Slayton. 2008, he was tremendous. He was tremendous. He was a third-round receiver. Pick. He, oh, if he doesn't get hurt, if he doesn't get hurt, if he doesn't get the neck injury the following year. You know, the weird thing is when we had him on the Fuddrucker show this year, you know, I was prepping the interview, and I, I, I just I don't even remember him being around in 2010, and he was. Yeah, you know, I, don't I remember, remember 2009 because he had the injury, the neck. It wasn't going mm-hmm. so well. That's why they relied on other backs, and eventually Arian Foster takes mm-hmm. the stage against Miami late in the season. But I barely remembered him in 2010 when Arian Foster led the league in rushing. But I got to go Steve Slayton as my fourth back on the all-time Texans 53-man roster. So you're going Slayton over Tate. Over Tate. Sorry, Ben. When Tate got healthy though in 2011, yeah, he was. I good. know. Aaron, look, Arian opening had a- day he ran for like a buck something against the Colts. The second consecutive opening day victory against the Colts. That I mean, was big news at the time. We talked about the offensive line earlier of 2011, right? Yeah. You got Arian and Ben Tate running behind that line. Yeah. If Shop stays healthy, I think that's the team that has an opportunity to beat New England. I, I don't think, think there's any doubt about it. Johnny, I think that's the team that could have been. What people England. forget about that season is when they go to the Colts the second to last week of the season on the Thursday night and they lose to Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, mean, the, my gosh. The J.J. Watt penalty game. Yes, that game, if they had won that, they're still alive for a bye right. if they win the closer against Tennessee back here. Now, they're not guaranteed a bye with that win, but if they got some help and got that win, they would get a bye. So there was a lot on the line. They lost three straight to end the regular season, that team. The yep. third game was against the Titans. They didn't need the game, so they kind of mailed it in after the first drive. Right. I don't want to take away from TJ because TJ has become a legend because in this town because of what he did that year. But if Shabby stays healthy that year, that was the team. That 2011 team, that were, was the team. They were on a roll. They had won four straight. That was the team. And Matt goes out. Then they won th- three more with TJ, and they clinched the division, and that was it. Because they could hit you with Tate. 
and with Foster, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, boom, pulled out match run bootleg. I he, think I think you've uh, let me let me look at uh, I'm looking at Jonathan Wells right now. I'm pulling him. Yeah, up. see, Wells is one I think out of both. That's out of Drew our uh, wheelhouse. That's out of your wheelhouse. And Wells, let me just pull up. It, it wasn't fantastic. All right, 1,100 yards in his career, all with the Texans, 3.1 per carry. Never mind. Okay. Ten touchdowns in his career. Yeah. All right, so that's not great. But he had some good games. You know, he was kind of like a Ron Dane, even though Dane is a different story because he had been around for a while. But, he, yeah. you know, every once in a while he'd give you – you know, kind of like Alfred Blue. Every once in a while, he'd give you right. a buck fifty when you need it. Right. But it wasn't much other than that necessarily. But he was solid. Would you? James Allen, otherwise known as Merciless, he became a rapper named Merciless. Hmm. That's Texans trivia for you. What two players would might be known as Merciless? Good question. I would have <laughs> never gotten that. So, Arian, Dominic, Lamar. Any question with those three? No. Those three. Okay. Let's go. All right. Uh, Tight end. Let's save tight end for a second. Oh, geez. Let's go to let's go to, to wide receiver. Okay. Let's go to wide receiver. Drew how many do, how put many? six. He put six. Well, somebody's got to play special teams then. Well, he's not really handling it. Like maybe. That. Okay. Maybe. Right, Drew's, so ro- one, Drew's roster management's a little little shaky. We know the top two. We know the top two. Okay. So, so then we go with so gut reaction to Kevin Walter is the third receiver. Well, is he the third or well, is he okay? A- He'll round out the the lineup. So I'm going to go Kevin Walter. Ooh, this, you is, have any, this gets tough. Do you have any, do you have any problem with Kevin Walter being on the 53? No. Okay. Will Fuller. You know, he gets hurt a lot so far, and I really want that to stop. But I think based on it's very little body of work, considering the history of the franchise. But I think i got to put him on there, right? I mean, he's so talented. He's so good. Fifth receiver, the fifth guy we mentioned, Corey Bradford. Yeah, he was the original deep threat for the Texans, and he did some things here. I mean, we all remember their opening day, and, and you know, he was he was a, an important part of this thing for a while. Got reaction to receiver number six. Okay. Kiki QT. So little. What, four games or something like that? I, I don't know. What about Jacoby Jones? We mm-hmm. talked about that. We talked about that. I, I said that I could make a case for Jacoby as a return guy. But I don't know that. But I then could you remembered really... a certain instance in a playoff game, and you thought, <laughs> "But that wasn't here, though." No, that it wasn't... was here. It was oh, here oh, oh, oh. at Baltimore. Oh, no, I know. I know. Yeah, no, I don't even want. I to mean, Jacoby is a return guy. Yes, I don't want to no. relieve that. I don't. I mean, the 07 that. preseason. Yes, I'm all about that. Yeah, 2011 against Baltimore. Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah, his greatest moments to me as a receiver were in Baltimore the next year, oh, yeah. 2012. So. That was one of the th- that was one of the reasons I couldn't come to. to I mean, if I'm Jacoby. allowed to grade out on that stuff, like what they've done elsewhere, in addition to here, yeah, Jacoby's going to make it over QT. Yeah, for now. But the other reason that I say QT, I was okay with because he's our slot guy. We don't we don't really have a slot guy. I mean, I what love about your boy. David I love David Anderson. Anderson doesn't I, make the team. I love David Anderson, but if I've got to pick between Kiki and David Anderson, I'm I'm taking Kiki. Nine and a half times out of ten. Sorry, DA. It's just the way it goes. He just knows. I think it. he would pick that as well. All right, tight end. Let's right, go. Go ahead. Okay. All time Texans fifty three man roster. You and Drew did it on in the lab. Just okay. to reset. Go ahead. Drew picked three tight ends. Okay. And I I've got them. You do. Okay. Owen Daniels. Okay. It gets tough here. <laughs> I know. I because, Mark. I did the same thing. I got. All right. If I'm going all time Texans fifty three man roster and I got to pick tight end. Ooh, it does get tough because I was going to say 
Dreesen automatically almost Bingo. because he does Number so two. much. You got it. You got it. Owen Daniels and Joel Dreesen. I mean, I really want to put CJ on the team because he's too. talented and he was certainly headed in the right direction. I mean, I think that guy would have been a long time, very productive starter for this I team. Think so too. Just coming into his own as a receiver and then he has to leave the building. It was awful. I know. It was bad. So, gut reaction to tight end number three. Mm-hmm. Big baby Jordan Thomas. I can't go there yet. I can't go there yet. I know he caught four touchdown passes, yeah. and I think he's going to be really good. That was a heck of a rookie campaign. I think him. so, too. That was a great debut. It's it's tough being a rookie in this league. Sixth rounder. Yeah. Sixth rounder. I mean, you've heard me. I think the audience has heard me enough, but I'll do it again, believe me, how young this team is, how the offensively, how young offensively they were last year, mm-hmm. how inexperienced they were, yep. yet they were able to navigate their way to 11 wins with, you know, obviously it's a collective effort, but I, I give them a lot of credit for that. These tight ends, Aikens and Thomas, so young. So I think Thomas is going to be real good, but I think you got to pay some homage here to, hey, what about Billy Miller, leading receiver on the team year one? I thought know? about I thought about Billy Miller. I don't know if we mentioned him. He was in my consideration, but I – I thought about two guys, one you've mentioned. I, th- I would have put CJ because okay. I think CJ's – actually, three guys. CJ, his ability to block, I mean, he got so much better each and every year mm-hmm. that, I mean, 2016 was just an unbelievable year. So, along those lines, I also mentioned Ryan Griffin. I mean, Ryan's been doing it for six years. Uh, he's, I think he's had a really solid career. But Garrett Graham. Garrett Graham had a couple of years where he was really good. I can't put, I can't put any of them ahead of CJ. But I think the potential for a big baby is through the roof. It I is. think it's through the roof. Year and two, so I kind of rode potential on that one. I, Will, I went with Drew. How hungry is Will Lawing now? I, as a, I mean, he's always been hungry. But as an assistant coach, you're a tight ends coach. That's got to send up the antenna because you're thinking, well, look at all these tight ends coaches like mm-hmm. in Tennessee here. It's happening all over the place. These yep. tight ends coaches, Sean McVay, who become offensive coordinators and then – you know what's next. So mm-hmm. I, I think Will Longings. I'm not saying it's automatic for him, believe yeah. me, but it's got to be really exciting to a young man uh, to be able to coach this group, all that talent. And, you know, now he's got Fells to work with as a blocker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my theory on the tight ends coaches, it's because they dabble in everything. They have to, yeah. O-line blocking schemes, receiver patterns. They got to know the offense inside and out. They all do, but they have to know it from multiple dimensions for their particular position group. I think it's going to be interesting to watch this group. But, yeah, I would say Thomas um, deserves strong consideration, but I'm still going to pay homage to the people who have done it a little bit longer. So your three would be? I'm going to go Owen Daniels, number one. I'll go Dreesen, and then I'll go Fedorowicz. Those will be my three tight ends. With with, uh, Billy Miller, honorable mention, and then I'll throw in everybody else. I love Garrett Graham, too. I mean – I, I think back to the end of that playoff game, the second one that everyone everyone hates this one because they should have been having a bye and playing the next week, mm-hmm. but they beat the Bengals the second consecutive year in the postseason at home in 2012, and Garrett Graham made a big late-game catch to pick up a first down and play keep away from the Bengals, who were a pretty hot team going into that postseason. Offensive line. Okay. Eight. Eight players. We have already mentioned the front five. All right. The first five. The first five of uh, Dwayne Brown, Wade Smith, Chris Myers, Mike Brazel, and Eric Winston. Yes. Okay. All right. So next. That's, yeah. Pitts. Yes. That's one. He's going to make my eight. Okay. So he's one. So, because Chester can play guard tackle. Derek Newton. He's your swing tackle. Seventh round draft choice. So you're okay with that. So gut reaction to our interior backup 
We went Steve McKinney over Ben Jones. The inside skinny with Steve McKinney. He'll love that, by the way. Oh, he, he won't love my singing, but he'll love that he was been he's been named in this capacity. Uh, yeah. Why not? McKinney played guard for Peyton Manning in right. Indianapolis before he came here to play center for right. this expansion franchise. So McKinney's got the pelts, if you will. Mm-hmm. He played guard. So, and that last and Ben year, was similar. Ben played guard, and then his last year here, he played center. Hey, that last year, McKinney was a Colt. During playoffs, that was Jim yeah, Mora saying yeah. playoffs, and McKinney was on that team playing guard, and they went 6-10, and ten, and Mora was shown the door, then Dungey takes over, and the rest is history. Uh, I'll go McKinney over Ben Jones. Okay. I like that. I like that you brought that up. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. You know, we, uh, I'm trying to think if we thought about anybody else in the offensive line. Those are the, those, that seemed pretty clear-cut. Offensive line seemed like there was not too much debate. It was essentially the 2011 line. We did mention Brandon Brooks. Potentially a guard, but I think Brandon really came into his own with the Eagles, so yeah, we didn't go there. But uh, that's we we already had Chris Myers as our starter, so kind of felt like that's that's oh, you, really the right, way so you go. You went specialists too, right? right? Specialists, okay. All right, let's go. So gut long, reaction, gut reaction, John Weeks. That's of course, easy. yeah. Well, Brian Pittman's gonna be all upset at me now, know, but still, it should be Weeks. He listens. Uh, punter, Leckler. Yeah, yeah, okay. Kicker. Your gut reaction to us, and I pushed for this. Mm. So, God help me if things don't go well in 2019. Gut reaction to Kaimi Fairbairn being the kicker. All right, well, here's the deal with Fairbairn. And I've been thinking about this. It's funny because I I was thinking about the kicker subject. Mm -hmm. And Fairbairn has never missed a kick to lose you a game, right? Right. He hasn't been kicking that long. Right. But he has not missed a kick to lose a game. That's a really painful way to lose. We have not had to deal with that. Knock wood, knock everything. We have not had to deal with Kaimi Fairbairn missing a big kick that right. costs you. The- He's missed some kicks, but it's not been like, oh, my gosh, like at the buzzer you lose. Right, like, Bron- like Denver, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that hurts. Like uh, our buddy here for the Cincinnati Bengals on Christmas Eve. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, that kind of hurt a lot for them, you know. But Chris Brown was really good for a while, however – he missed some kicks that he lost did. you games. Yep. He missed one against Indy in 09 that still hurts. He missed one against the Titans a couple of weeks later. Monday Night here. Football. That still hurts. Those were big misses. Mm. And I still love Chris Brown. I saw him during the Andre Johnson weekend. It was great to catch up. He also had some big days. I mean, Chris Brown had some days that Fairbairn has not had. Now, some of this is just circumstantial because you get those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brown had a game against the Dolphins where he kicked three field goals from 54 yards or beyond, including a 57-yarder to win the game. And he was special teams player of the week for that. Think about that. 54 plus, three for three. What year was that? That was 07. 07, okay. I remember that. So they, yep. they beat Miami at the buzzer with Brown's 57-yarder, the third field goal of the game of 54 or more. I mean, that's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, it is. That was a big day. He hit the 40-yarder to beat Green Bay mm-hmm. at Green Bay. I mean, 08. That, he, he hit some big kicks for this team, no doubt about it. He hit the one that beat the Colts in Christmas Eve, uh, 48 yards, yeah, 2006. So he he hit some big ones, but he missed some big ones too. So Fairbairn, I think, more consistent, and the touchbacks are huge. That was the one thing that I said was how big a weapon is Kanye because he can, if, if Brad Steele and Tracy Smith say, Make him return it. Mm-hmm. He can put it in that spot where he forces him to return it. Right. If if it's just look, it's just too hectic right now. Like the Jets game, 
and it's just like just put it out of the end zone. Don't even give Roberts an opportunity to see it. Yeah, you know, uh, Andre Roberts didn't return. He's leading kicking, leading kickoff returner in the league. It wasn't even close. He didn't run one Part kick of the back. game plan, keep it away from him. Don't let him do anything. He can put it eight yards in the end zone. I'm glad you sure. brought that up. That's like one of those subtleties that we don't get into sometimes. Like we do often because we do a lot of radio here. But like after that game, yeah, that's a big part of the game plan. Huge don't part. let Roberts kill you with a big return. And Kaimi could Kaimi was as as big a defensive player that day because he could boot it eight to he could boot it all the way through the end zone. So yeah. that was huge. I love talking about stuff like that because that's those are the nuances of football. And look, it's not all like we can't just talk about the biggest thing. Like you haven't made it to a Super Bowl yet. Talk to me in next January. You know, yeah. you just you don't do that. The joy is in the journey. We had two other specialists on the team. What was that? Like distinct specialists that it, mm-hmm. all they're going to do is play special teams. That's right. it. Two of them. Gut reaction to these two, Johnson Batamosi, Brian Peters. Jeez. Guys who are on the team this year, think about how our special teams changed from 2017 and before that to 2018. I want to go back to the early days. It was unbelievable. Here's one guy that I mentioned, Brian Brayman. That was that's good. That's that was good. one guy Brian I mentioned. Twenty eleven. I couldn't make I couldn't make the case for Brayman over Peters and Batamosi because those guys were they were tremendous. Batamosi, I mean, I felt like last year the four or five guys, I think it's five guys, with Peters, Batamosi, AJ Moore, Buddy Howell, Joe Webb, in Scarlet being uh-huh. one of them. Those guys were so instrumental on this team last Can year. Can I go with Jerome Mathis as a return man? Well, this? that's the thing we haven't done. We did not put a return guy on this because that's you know a why? spot. It's a roster spot. It's a roster spot because we got QT. Yeah, we've got Fuller. Yeah, we got those two, and we're going to have somebody in the defensive side of the ball that also has return skills as well. And that'll be next week. Johnny, thanks a lot. Yeah, Mark, thank you. All right, that's going to do it for the program. Go to HoustonTexans.com to read up on the team. Check out all the videos there. Some sensational ones there. And check out Texans 360 Saturday night at 11 o'clock on ABC 13. Plenty of stuff from the NFL meetings earlier this week in Phoenix. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans!